You're listening to a message from the church at Rutledge. For more information about TCAR, please visit thechurchatrutledge.org. Thank you for being here. I'm glad to see all the youth here this morning. Um, Today's subject uh, is a rest for God's people. And some of y'all look like you could use a little rest, okay? But if you'll just hang on for a few minutes, you can go take, uh, get you something to eat and take you a nap, right? Okay. In the book of Hebrews, we've been seeing how that, how that Jesus is superior to everyone and everything. He's superior to Moses. He's su- superior to the angels. And today we're going to uh, read a little bit about Joshua and how that Jesus was even superior to Joshua. And in chapter 4, God tells us about a Sabbath rest for the people of God. I'd like for us just to pause and, and pray just for a moment, okay? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for your word. Thank you for the opportunity to share your word. And I pray that you'll just speak to our hearts and help each and every one of us to find in you the rest that we need, whether it be for the soul or for the body. We praise you and we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to kind of get us up to date to where we're going today, I want us to, to look back at, in chapter 3 just a little bit. And hopefully um, we'll have the verses up, up on the screen. In chapter uh, 3, look at verse 16. Who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? And with whom was he angry for 40 years? Was it not with those who sinned, or who sinned, whose bodies fell in the desert? And to whom did God swear that they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? For we see that they were not able to enter because of unbelief. If you look with me also over in the book of, of Numbers, I want to read a few verses from over there. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 20. Numbers chapter 14 and verse 20. In the book of Numbers there, in that chapter, we see um, the Israelites not going into the land. They were told that they were not going to be permitted to go into the land of Canaan into God's rest. And these three verses, I just want to zero in in on and share them with you. Moses had been praying for the people, and the Lord replied, I have forgiven them as you asked. Nevertheless, as surely as I live, and as surely as as the glory of the Lord fills the whole earth, not one of the men who saw my glory and the miraculous signs I performed in Egypt and in the desert but who destroyed, disobeyed me and tested me ten times, not one of them will ever see the land I promised on oath to the, their forefathers. No one who has treat, treated me with contempt will ever see it. And then he goes on to tell us how, that, how Caleb and Joshua, they would actually be able to go in. But you all know the story of, of the children of Israel and the Israelites. They had been in Egypt and they had been slaves. And last, last week, um, we sung a song, No More Slaves. Or, um, was it No More Slaves? What's the name of it? 
No longer slaves, thank you. No longer slaves. And that, that song, when, when uh, Tyler first sent that to me and said, we're going to do this new song, it, the, just the title didn't, didn't really do that much for me. It didn't really just wow me. But once we played the song and sung the song, I really enjoyed that song, No, More, no Longer Slaves. And the Israelites, they, they had been led out of Egypt, and they were no longer slaves. So here they go out into the, um, across the Red Sea, and they saw all of God's miracles. But now they were getting ready to go into to God's rest, to the land of Canaan. And they started rebelling. The people started uh, complaining against Moses and against Aaron. And they, they just decided, look, we need to, to find someone else to lead us because these guys, they just don't know what they're doing. You ever heard anybody say that? <laughs> we need somebody to lead us. They just don't know what they're doing. But anyway, kind of like a, trying to organize a, a kickball game with grade schoolers. You know, just, nobody knows what they're doing. But anyway, Moses and Aaron, they, they started praying for the people and, and um, they, they just didn't want God to destroy them. Because God had decided he's just going to wipe them all out. So um, Moses start, started making intercession, and God agreed with Moses, I will not destroy them, but these guys are going to just have to wander in the, in the desert or the wilderness for 40 years. They're not going to see my rest. The only ones that are going to see it is Caleb and Joshua, or Joshua and Caleb. So that kind of gives us an idea of uh, what we're talking about over here in, in Hebrews chapter 4. And the Sabbath rest for God's people or the a day of rest for God's people. And in the book of Hebrews, the word rest is used several times and in different ways. And I want to share with them just three with you. Um, the first rest that we see, and we'll read the verse in just a minute, but the, the first rest that we see is when God created the heavens and the earth. God created everything that was created in six days. And on the seventh day, what did God do? God rested. So we think, well, rest to us is like when we get tired, we need to rest. But, but, but was God tired? No. God didn't need to rest. I mean, God is God. He's all-powerful, all-knowing, all-everything. All God is everything. And so he didn't really need to rest because he had some things to do the next day, right? God rested in, in the sense that he had completed everything that he wanted to do in creation. So that was, that's one meaning of the word rest. It, just, it means completion. And then another meaning of rest is, like, is for the Hebrews here, the Hebrew children. I, I call them Hebrews and Israelites, and, and it kind of interchanges. In the Old Testament, they were Hebrews. New Testament, they're Jews. Sometimes the Bible calls them Israelites because they're from Israel. But anyway, these guys, they had been promised a rest from God. And in, he, in the book of Numbers, we see that God told them they were not going to enter in to that rest or to that promised land. So the, the second rest that we see here is the, the children of Israel having rest from their enemies, having rest from having to eat manna, uh, having rest from having to just run, having rest from being slaves, no longer slaves. This is the second rest. And the people just couldn't see how God was going to help them. They, they just didn't see it. They, they saw the, the people of the land in Canaan, how huge they were. They were really huge. 
Um, anyway, some of y'all get that later. And they were scared to death. I mean, they were just scared. And God had already told them, look, I'm going to be with you. I'm even going to go before you and cause these people to be scared of their own shadow when you all just get near. And the people just couldn't see it. They were scared to death. So they were not permitted to enter this rest that God had promised them because of disbelief, because of disobedience. And then the third rest that we see here is a, a rest for God's people today. I'm talking about an eternal rest. A rest that not necessarily that we're just needing to, to rest up because we're so tired, but a rest in that we no longer have to deal with the world of sin. We no longer have to, to deal with all of the things that just aggravate the tar out of us. T-A-R, is that a word? Can I use that word? Just aggravates me to death. And so we, we, we're not going to have to deal with that anymore in eternal rest. Now, we do not have to wait until we get to heaven to start enjoying that rest. That rest begins when we accept Christ as our Savior. That's when it begins. And we can have rest even as we're living right now. Some of y'all do look tired, and I'm sorry. I don't mean to be thrown off on you. But you look a little tired, and you look like you need a little bit of rest. DJ, you need some rest, brother. But with the rest that I'm talking about with, from God for his people is a rest from confusion, a rest from just being tired of being tired, just rest from being sick and tired, the rest that God offers to each and every one of us. That's his rest that we can have right now. Now, how many of y'all would just like to rest for a few days? Just a few days, okay. Maybe a few weeks, right? We could do like, um, we could do like Howard Sprague and just go to an island, a tropical island, and just play the bongos all day long, right? <laughs> but anyway, that got old too. So um, that's, that's how we feel, though. We just want to rest. But the, the rest that God offers, uh, offers us is in Christ. And it begins now at the moment of salvation, and it doesn't ever, ever end. That's why it's called eternal, okay? So, so let's read some verses in chapter 4 of Hebrews. Let's start with verse number 1. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Let us be careful... So that promise of God's rest is still available. He offered it to the Israelites. He offers it to us. It's still available. But we need to be careful. Be careful. Now, how many of you all have met my son, Emmanuel? The boy cannot be still. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. He's grown son. <laughs> he cannot be still. He's always doing something. And most of the time... Guess what I'm saying? Be careful, son. Be careful. And then he'll, he'll mess something up or tear something up or he'll be walking the dogs and trip down the steps. You know what I tell him? Son, you got to be careful. I mean, it applies, it applies in almost every aspect of his life, okay? But it also applies to us. 
And, he, and God tells his people here in the book of Hebrews that they need to be careful or let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it, this rest that he's talking about. He, the book of the chapter 4 of this book is, is just full of warnings for us. Let's look at the next verse. For we also have had the gospel preached to us just as they did. But the message they heard was of no value to them because those who heard it did not combine it with faith. Here we see that we have to have faith in order to enter into that rest. A lot of people hear the gospel. A lot of people know what they need to do. Sometimes you'll talk to someone and, and, and they'll say, well, you know, I know that I need to get, here's, here's the phrase around here, I need to get back in church. You've heard that phrase? I, I know that I ought to do better. Um, one of these days, I'm, when I get all this other stuff straightened out and I quit doing all this other stuff, then I'll, then I'll come back to church. Well, they need to put faith with the message, the message that they have heard. Without, message, without faith, works is dead. There's nothing you can do, nothing I can do to earn it. So we, we have to have faith there. And these folks in the Old Testament, they did not mix faith or have faith with what they heard. Moses told them, look, you guys can go in. Well, they heard it, but they didn't believe it. So you have to believe in order to enter into God's rest. Let's look at verse 3. Now we, have, now we who have believed enter this rest, just as God has said. So I declared on, my, on oath in my anger, they shall never enter my rest. This is referring back to the Israelites. You can also refer to Psalm 95 there if you want to. And yet his work has been finished since the creation of the world. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. And on the seventh day, God rested from all his work. And again, in the passage above, he says, They shall never enter my rest. It still remains that some will enter that rest. And those who formerly had the gospel preached to them did not go in because of their disobedience. They did not obey, they did not obey the gospel. And they, they were disobedient, so they, they did not enter in. And then God says in his word, Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling, calling, a, calling, well, let me put my glasses back on, y'all. Those words got smaller. I'm past 50, okay? And I admit it. Therefore, God again set a certain day, calling it today, when a long time later he spoke through David, as was said before. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. This is an invitation to all of us. When is the best time to meet God? Today. Today is the, the answer to, to any of our questions about when do we need to do this? When do I need to start this? When do I need to start my diet today? When do I need to start exercising more instead of just, you know, walking to the refrigerator and back does not count. 
I've got that down. It don't, it don't work. Today is the best day to start a diet. And listen, today is the day for each and every one of us to allow God to work in our lives in whatever way he needs to work. You know, he's not going to, to force his way into our lives. We have to allow him in. That's where faith comes in. So today, if we will not harden our hearts, God will work a mighty work in our lives. I don't, I don't know about you guys, but I need that. I, I, don't, I don't like things to just be okay. I don't, I don't like okay. I, I like things great. I like things really, really good. And so if I want God to work in my life, if we want God to work in our lives, it has to start today and now. Not tomorrow, today. There's no saying, why do you want to put off until tomorrow what you can do today? And then there's another saying where somebody twisted that around and said, why do you need to start something today if you can wait until tomorrow? Tomorrow's the best day to start anything, right? Because you, you always have hope. But today, according to God's word, is the time that we need to allow him to work. So that's, that's an invitation from God to us. He wants to work in our lives today. Then he talks a little bit about Joshua in the next verse. Verse 8, he says, For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. So Joshua tried to give them rest, but they refused. They were disobedient. There remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from his own work, just as God did from his. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. So here we have a, a warning from, from God's word that we need to strive to enter that rest. Now, chapter 4 of Hebrews takes some study, okay? We're not going to always get the meaning of these verses just by reading it one time through. And I've asked God to, to help me understand these verses because I've read them before. But the verses keep on seeming like they're saying to us, okay, yes, you can be saved. Yes, you can go to church. But now you have to, you have to what's, what's the phrase? You have to make it. You have to work it out. You have to, you have to stay faithful to the end. And in these verses here, he's telling us, look, you have to be careful to enter. You have to, you have to make sure, make every effort. Make every effort to enter that rest. Make every effort. So it sounds almost like the writer here is saying, okay, guys, you, you've been saved, but now you're going to have to work it. You're going to have to stay faithful and not be disobedient, and then you might make it. But, the rest that God has for his people is an eternal rest. Jesus said, I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. So if I have eternal life, it has to last forever, or it's not going to be eternal. You see the play on words there? Eternal life is forever, and that's what I have. If I, if I had to worry about not making it, or maybe not making it, I would just be an 
a nervous wreck all the time. I mean, can you imagine just being scared to death that God is just going to zap you and take you on out or, or not let you into His rest? We have faith, and that's the trust that we have in Him. So when He gives us eternal life, that is forever. It's not just a little while. It's not just if we're good enough. It's not just if we hang on. Listen, if it was left up to me to hang on, I would have fell away a long time ago. I just, in, in, this, in this flesh, I don't have the strength. I don't have what it takes to stay or keep myself saved, to keep myself on the right side of, of God, on, on the good side of God, I might say. I just, I can't do it. But because of, because of what Jesus did for me, I depend on that. And that's what gives me hope, knowing that I have eternal life. So here, what is this talking about then when he says, you need to make every effort, you need to strive to enter God's rest. Okay. Have you ever heard the phrase, either you are a saint or you ain't? Have you heard that phrase? That's exactly what applies to these verses right here. Either you got it or you don't. There's no having a little bit and maybe getting a little bit more later, and then maybe at the end you might make it if you've got enough. No. You have, you have to have a change in the heart. And listen, if you have a change in your heart, that makes the difference. That's what gives you eternal life, a change. It's not just going to church when you feel like it. If, if there's a change in the heart, you will want to serve God all the time. You will be thankful that Jesus died on the cross in your place for your sins, for our sins. He died for our sins. So it's not, a, it's not an ideal of, of striving to enter, but the, but the ideal is make sure that you're right with God. Make sure that what you had back there was real. And I'm not trying to make you doubt your salvation. I'm just trying to share with you, listen, either you are a saint or you ain't. Okay? All right. Let's read another verse. I know some of y'all are tired. We won't be much longer. Make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to the dividing soul and spirit, joint and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. For, for, these, uh, for this verse here, I had a, um, an idea for an illustration. And I came in, and lo and behold, there was what I needed laying back in the, the edge. Can y'all see what that is? This is a sword, but it's styrofoam. And um, this is similar to what the Roman soldiers used. That was probably uh, their regular issue, what they had. But this, this one is just, it's not real, right? It's not going to do anything. But this one right here, don't be afraid. This one right here is real. 
And I'm not going to swarp it around because I might hurt myself. But I want you to know that it's not real sharp, okay? It's not real sharp. You can't do that with a sharp sword. The one that the Bible is talking about was a double-edged sword that could separate the joints from the marrow. And I, I can't imagine how sharp that would be or, or what it would be like. I mean, have you, any of y'all ever helped, um, in Kentucky we call it uh, kill hogs? Any of y'all helped kill hogs? We, we, had a, we had a little get-together in Kentucky that we called uh, um, a hog killing. And it'd have to be usually in November when it got cold. And um, I, helped, I helped clean a few hogs. My, my job was to keep the fire good and hot for the water and then carry the water over to the, to the hog, okay? So if any of y'all don't know why you have to have hot water, uh, look it up or ask your grandpa or your grandma. They'll tell y'all about it. But that's probably the closest I've seen in, to, to what the Bible is talking about here, separating the, the joints from the marrow. But the double-edged sword could do that. And so what, what the writer of Hebrews here is doing is letting us know the seriousness of making sure that you're his. See, he, God sees the attitudes of the heart. He, he knows what we're thinking, and he knows what is behind what we say. You know, sometimes, I'm going to lay this back over here so nobody don't get hurt. But he knows what we're thinking, and he knows what, he even knows what we're going to say before we say it. That's why sometimes when we get ready to say something, we, we hear this inner voice, or there's something we know. Look, I don't need to say that. But it's, all, it's one of those slippery words, and it's already going out, and it's gone. But you see, God knows what we're going to say even before we say it. So the seriousness of this here is that we need the Word of God to help us to know. It penetrates the dividing of the soul and the spirit. He judges our thoughts and our attitudes, the attitudes of the heart. He knows even what's behind what we're saying or what we're doing. Now, how many times has, some, has someone asked you to do something and you really didn't want to do it? Anybody ever do you like that? Almost every day, right? I don't want to do that. And then sometimes they'll call you and they'll, they'll hint around that they need you to do something. And you just say, oh, no. Oh, no. Or you see them coming. And you, you want to hide but God, God sees our attitudes. He knows, he knows what we're thinking. He knows our hearts. He sees all that. And he says, in the next verse, he says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him. So, some ver uh, versions say that, uh, that we're naked before God. Well, that, that's true. But, I mean, we won't use it here. Everything is laid bare before him before the eyes of him, to whom we must give an account. So all of us have to give an account to God someday, maybe today, okay? But we have to give an account. Now, you say, well, now, 
if we have to give an account to God, then what about this eternal stuff? What about this eternal life you're talking about? Well, God loves us. He sent his son to die for us. He saved us. He gave us eternal life. But we're not going to get by with just living any old way. Okay? When you're saved, you're saved. But you're going to be changed from that moment until you reach heaven. There's going to be some growth. If you're the same person you were the day you got saved and you've been a child of God for 20 years, I don't know. It worries me a little bit. There, there has to be some growth. You don't, you don't have a, a baby and then you give the baby bottles and then food and it just never grows. That'd be awful, wouldn't it? That's how it is as, as people of God. We need to grow in the Lord. So we're going to give an account of what we do and what we say, not as far as, not as, far as salvation, but as far as happiness, contentment, those kind of things. We're just not going to be satisfied just doing whatever or just barely making it. I, I don't know about you guys, but I, let, me, let me think about this before I say it. I want to go to heaven. Okay, any, any of you guys want to go to heaven? Come on now, let's go. No, we're not getting a bus up tonight. There's no Kool-Aid. Sorry. I told you I was past 50. So, I don't, I don't want to be one of those people that just barely makes it in. You know, the Bible talks about people making it, making it in to his kingdom by the skin of their teeth. That's pretty thin. I, I don't want to take that chance. I just don't. And folks, we don't need to take that chance. So today is the day that we need to start, if we're not already there, start allowing God to work in our lives. And he wants to give us rest right now from, from being tired physically, from, from being just worn out emotionally or spiritually. We can, we can just be tired so many different ways. Jesus had something to say about that in Matthew chapter 11. In Matthew chapter 11, look at verse 28. Matthew 11, verse 28. Jesus has been talking with God here, uh, with the Father but down in verse 28, he says this to, to the people. And this is an invitation to us today. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy. And my burden is light. The yoke was what held the oxen together, and the burden was what the oxen were either pulling or hauling. But here, but here Jesus is giving an invitation to us to come to him for rest, to come to him for whatever it is that we need. And I, I'm, it's my prayer that none of us in here would leave this place today without 
First of all, knowing that Jesus is your Savior. 100%, He's mine. He, he saved me. You might, you might not be able to, to, to go to the place and say, right here's where it happened, or you might not remember the, the date. But I, it's my prayer that everyone in here, everyone that hears this, can, can know without a shadow of a doubt, yes, I am His. And if you are His, then He wants you to, to experience His rest right now. He, he offers and gives us and promises us rest in eternity with Him. Rest from worries and rest from just whatever bothers you. But He also wants to give us rest today. He wants us to, to rest in Him. Come unto me, you, you who are weary. If you're just tired, you're just tired of the way things have been, or you're just tired of barely getting by, or you're just tired of just one day at a time, sweet Jesus, you know? If you're just tired of, of just barely making it, Jesus says today, if you will not harden your hearts, I will give you rest. That's what he, that's what he wants to do for us. Let's pray together. Our God, we thank you so much for your word. And we pray that you would help us to allow you to work in our lives. We pray, God, that we would find the rest that only comes from you. We know that you died for us. You made a way for us to have your rest, your eternal rest, starting today and lasting forever. Thank you so much for that. We give you praise. And we ask in Jesus' name, amen.